Good morning and welcome to Crime Talk BK here on Radio Free Brooklyn. We're your hosts, Anna Pritch and Megan Duffy. Good morning or afternoon. Well, yeah, it's technically good evening. Uh, We are recording from the past. We are in the we are in your in the in the Crime Talk TARDIS. Um, I'm just going to apologize in advance for this horrible cold, and I'm sure I'll be coughing a lot. And also for any German Shepherd noises that might make it onto I do have my uh, washer dryer running, so if it starts beeping, we'll take a break. <laughs> you. you have a washer and dryer in unit? Yes, girl. Yes. It's not yes. That's not right. It's, I mean, I'm glad somebody does. I mean, it's the only reason I took the apartment. It was the beach and the fact that there was a washer dryer. It's the only reason I took the apartment. Anyway, how have you been? Overworked, but happy to be. Because it's, yeah. it's been a long, quiet two weeks. So, uh, basically, I'd been sitting on the couch diving through books, monitoring my emails. And, and now I'm really busy on a lot of really cool, interesting stuff. A couple of things that are not so interesting because I volunteered for them because I was slow and now I'm dying and I'm mired in work, but I'm happy to be employed and all that jazz. Oh, I have a corrections corner from last week. Speaking of books. Okay. So last year I talked to last year, last week. I mentioned same um, thing, same thing. I know. Same thing. I mentioned um, a book about Charles Darwin that had murder, whatever historical. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> that book is called The Darwin Affair by mm. Tim Mason. Okay. And it, I don't think, is about Charles Darwin at all. It is about. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I think it's about an assassination attempt on Queen Victoria. Hmm. And apparently the reason why it's called the Darwin Affair is because there's some sort of tie-in with on the origins of species. Uh, But it is like, I don't really think it is about Darwin. This is what happens when I try to tell you about a book that was playing during my six-hour nap to Des Moines. That's all right. So... Still sideways about Darwin. It's all right. Can't get everything right all the time. I try. No, I know. Me too, but we don't. Anyway. <sighs> um, well, news from the Gulf Coast, we're about to be hit by two hurricanes at the same time. No, actually, that's not true. One of the hurricanes fizzled out. I saw that. I saw that. That's plus. But I was talking to a high school friend who I haven't heard from from for years and years, <laughs> and it turns out she is doing search and rescue on Lake Charles and is currently in a boat waiting for the hurricane to hit. She's part of the, what do they call that? The Cajun Navy? Yeah. <gasps> How cool is that? I'm technically part of Cajun Navy, too. I just do dispatch. That's cool. But I was on the page today, like, looking up what I need to do. And then my friend was like, hey, Joanna, I see you're in Baton Rouge. And I'm like, oh, hi. 
I totally, if I move to New Orleans, I'll totally be a part of the Cajun Navy. I'll get my little canoe out, my drag my inflatable raft around. Mm-hmm. Totally do well, that. I think that she's both very brave and quite stupid. I can't believe she's on a lake. They're going to get a really bad storm surge. Did she go, did she grow up down there? No, she's from Houston, you know, like me. But um, she works in, I think she works in the Merchant Marines or she's like a professional mariner ship person. Yeah. A mariner of sorts. Yeah. She's a sailor. (laughs) Uh, But she's like a, an engineer like, not in, like, the Dilbert sense, but more in, like, the train conductor sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think she usually does, like, cargo ships. That's cool. But she had some time off, and so she volunteered to, I guess, do search and rescue. So, basically, uh, she's just a baller. Like she's yeah. Just a, she's just a baller. But I was just, like, my, like, anxiety from this hurricane went from, like, a negative two to, like, a six. Did you fill your tub? No. We're, your- we're fine. We're pretty far I inland. I know, but still, fill your tub. I have gas in the car. Uh, we have no bottled water, but we have brownies. Well, I mean priorities, but fill your tub because it'll help, it'll help the toilet flush. Or, like, you can bl- brush your teeth with it or something. I think we'll be okay. We have a lake. If we need flushing water, we'll Ooh. just... Old timey bathing. <laughs> like when you went to camp when you were a kid. They're like, you can only use ivory soap because it's the only one that floats. God. That's really funny. It's true. Um, but anyway, yeah, I was like talking to my parents today and I was just like, So, mom, how do you feel about the hurricane? And she's like, Well, it's not like it's Harvey. And I'm like, Okay, I'm glad my entire city was traumatized a few years ago and now we don't care at all about storms. Logic. It's true here, too. But the memory is short from Sandy. Like, the memory is short. But anyway. um, So, oh, hello, Dottie. We have a German Shepherd. Dottie? Her name's Dottie? Uh Huh? Her name's Dottie? Yeah, because she's crazy. Oh. She weighs like 60 pounds. <laughs> of course she does. I love that name, Dottie. Anyway, I'll show you. A, you can't even see her. It's too dark. She just left. She's bored. Well, you know what is not going to be boring is our subject today. Megan, this guy is such a douche. And re- researching all of this, it just brought a lot of shit back that's happening right now. Let's talk about Anthony Comstock. <laughs> all right, so Anthony Com- Comstock was the supervillain of all things fun during um, Victorian U.S. Yeah. Oh, and you have a little guest, too, in the background. Do I? Which one? Where? Little black cat. I guess you have two of them, actually. Oh, that's Beulah. Hi, Beulah. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you got breakfast. Stop staring at your food. Oh my goodness, it's six. <laughs> all all meals are breakfast. So funny. 
All right. Well, why don't we just jump in, Anthony Comstock? But first, you're the one to suggest this. So I was just wondering uh, why you thought we should cover him on well, our podcast. Well, because last week we were talking about Mae West's birthday. And he's the one that threw her in jail for that scandalous Broadway play um, that she refused to uh, bail herself out from. And um, I got really excited about it because he's... The, these clauses are actually still on the books in a lot of places, on federal. Like, I was reading an article today. Let me see if I can find it. Um, there was a speech that Patricia Schroeder gave to the U.S. House of Representatives in 1996 about how these laws that are still on the books and they still affect mainly women and their right to birth control. Uh, but but while he, while he was alive, um, you know, they, as we'll get into, they expanded across all kinds of things. And then when he, you know, had this huge stockpile of shit down in New York, uh, then he went after, like, medical books. I know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's so crazy that he was the only one that decided what was obscene. I know. So Anthony Comstock is most famous for um, what we typically call the Comstock Laws, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a uh, censorship of, quote, vice-related. And obscenity. mm -hmm, Like like books, predominantly, or like photos, or even paintings. Newspaper articles, condoms. Mm Mm-hmm advertisements for lewd products like a brothel or women's health care. Uh-huh. Um, or like porn, mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. Yep. Uh, some of those things you- are more important than others. Uh, I I just kind of laugh at what Victorian porn looks like because it's not as it's not as porny as what we think it is. Victorian porn is like, you know, a lady in a corset. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't know. I just Googled Victorian porn and there are some somewhat scandalous. There could be some scandalous, but for the most part, what was going through was for photos was it looked like more like a Victoria's Secret catalog. The drawings and other things were the ones that were more scandalous. I am seeing some tits out. Well, yeah. Mm. So I have to say that, okay, I need to get off of this website. <laughs> scandalous. help us if they ever, if I ever die and I look at my Google search engine. Jesus Christ. Um, so I'm a pearl clutcher. I know. And Anthony Comstock is too much even for me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You're like, that's why we're friends, Joy. <laughs> it's like, the, I think the reason that we love each other so much is we're almost dichotomous. We're like dichotomous, right? Like, I am, I am old and not a pearl clutcher. And you are young and a bit more conservative than I am. And yet we see eye to eye on a lot of things. Scandalous. <laughs> Anyway, um, so let's get into it. Anthony Comstock was born in New Canaan, Connecticut, 
the son of Polly Ann, like that ah. name, and Thomas Anthony Comstock. And um, he was born March 7th, 1844. Uh, he was raised as a devout Congregationalist. And um, so he's basically the ancestor of the um, Puritans, or I guess Puritans were his ancestor. And religion was just a little bit important to him. He literally thought that half the country was going to hell. Uh, he's like the type of person who thought, I don't know, that if a woman's dress lacked two inches of fabric, that the entire city is just going to be, like, raised to the ground, Sodom and Gomorrah style. Mm -hmm. And I do have to hand it to him that, I mean, I think he firmly believed that he was saving souls you know, and, you know, like, preventing, like, widespread torture after everybody dies by, I don't know, banning porn. And uh, he's, this started when he was really young, though. Like, he started this as, like, an adolescent, where he claimed that he was chasing out a saloon keeper from uh, his neighborhood because the establishment was open late at night, and and nothing good came of it right like like that like, nothing good happens after 7 p.m <laughs> you nerd don't you have anything else to do i know he was very <laughs> unlikable i mean i don't know i'm a history buff he anthony comstock might be one of the most unlikable historic figures i've ever run across <laughs> I will also like to add that in his own diaries add that he was a chronic masturbator. Really? Yeah. I see that. And that's what felt that's what his guilt drove him to be this madman. Oh hey, Jerry Falwell Jr. and your pool boy. Just saying. Uh so that's where he starts out, right? He starts out as this chronic masturbator in this village, just the fire and the brimstone Puritan life. And then now he's like set loose on the world and because of his own internal guilt, pretty much just like the cur current right wing Republicans that we have, everybody's got internal guilt. So we're just going to make sure that, you know, it's we'll so funny. It's absolutely true. Uh, so something that I thought was really funny is, is that, um, so he fought in the Civil War on the side of the Union. Yay. Uh, but then <laughs> apparently he was an incredibly boring person who would like rag on his fellow soldiers for cussing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if you can't cuss during the Civil War, when can you? Like, well, right. I mean, shit ain't great. Like, you're worried about dysentery and your feet rotting or something, and it's, like, killing your siblings who are on the wrong side. I don't know. It sounds just a little bit stressful. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he was part of the Christian Commission, which was a branch of the YMCA. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I think it's just because that song sounds so gay that I actually forgot that the YMCA stood for Young Men's Christian Association. And yeah, yeah, I mean, 
it's a gay anthem. Like it, it well, at least it was. I don't know if it is anymore. I did meet one of them once at a par- party at Fire Island. He's delightful. The cowboy. Um, he's delightful, and he's gay. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Anthony Comstock, strong YMCA supporter. Uh, he uh, would hand out Bibles to the troops, you know. So it's like, I don't know, you're just trying to drink your whiskey at the end of a long battle, and Anthony Comstock plops down at your fire, throws your alcohol in the trash, and it starts lecturing you about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, he wrote about the bar- barracks as dens of, quote, cursing and blasphemy. And actually, in his, like, remember, he complained about having no being universally disliked. I can't imagine why. This is, like, 20-year-old Anthony Comstock is like, Dear Diary, I told everybody to please not say the D word, damn. And now everybody hates me. Now that everybody hates me, I'm going to go have a wank. Talk they to you tomorrow. Hid my underwear <laughs> and I am scandalized. I have a chafing between my thighs that reminds me of other things. Oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, so I just think that that's, like, really funny. And honestly, like, even from this, like, young age, he just comes across as, like, a religious zealot. And now, the Puritans are, though. The Pur- that, they were. I mean, they are. Yeah. blood. And, uh, but it's funny. So I just finished reading Wheel of Time, which is this, like, 40-book fantasy series that no one should read. It's terrible. But in it, they have these <laughs> warriors called the White Cloaks who are part of this, like, religious sect. And they just run around, like, burning people that they don't like, very crusade-esque. And the book makes, like, a point of talking about how, like, black or white they are, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like they are going to judge you after, you know, talking to you for two minutes. And that's that. Case closed. And, uh... I mean, you read about this type of people in the book, and it's all fun because you can't imagine anybody actually being like that. And then there comes Anthony Comstock, who legitimately, <laughs> like, it's just so inflexible. It's almost impressive. I think it was the time, it was a lot of the time, though, that there was a lot of people that were very inflexible about, particularly women, how they dressed, what, you know, like, women were... A commodity, oh. a commodity yeah. basically. Yeah. Right. So I, I was also reading this thing where, okay, so right after the war, he got married <laughs> to uh, one Margaret Hamilton, who was a uh, minister's daughter and 10 years his senior. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Get it, girl. Um, they had one kid uh, and that daughter, she died soon after childbirth. So he that's when he really took up this new crusade because while he was working in this dry goods store, uh, his coworker got afflicted by a STD. I assume syphilis cause it was of the time, but we're not sure. doesn't say, um, uh, after what his, 
what he said as an, an interest in erotic literature, which you don't get an STD from erotic literature, but okay. And that's when uh, Comstock went to the bookstores where his friend made all these purchases of the erotic literature and bought it himself and then returned with the police captain to shut it down. And that's where he gets his start in this whole, like, crazy crusade. Anthony, yeah. you're not going to get invited to any of the cool parties. Quite frankly. <laughs> um, yeah, so... But it's also funny thinking about, like, what New York City was at the time. So he he went to New York after the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas you were saying he was working at a dry goods store. And uh, it was, like, during the Gilded Age... And, um, I mean, people were pretty fast and loose with their morals back then. Uh, you know, like, people were handing out Cornish pamphlets just, like, on the street. And you could go to your, um, like, newspaper's yellow pages and find, like, an abortionist. Mm-hmm. And, I mean... I mean, there were, like, euphemisms for things, of course. I mean, this is, like, vaguely Victorian. Uh, But, like, sex was kind of a part of life. And it was also very out there in the world. Like, you didn't have to look too far for any of these things. Yeah. Brothels were not illegal, right? Yeah. For listeners, if you've ever watched The Alienist... It's right around the same time. It's right yeah. around. That's kind of around yeah. the same time. It's a Tammany Hallish kind of like right, like right at the beginning. And that's kind of when the whole era. That's what it looks like aesthetically. Everybody's, every, you know, I really wish Dakota Fanning had like this big shoulder wings. Mm. Oh, I love that's it. Such a good show. I love that um, show. But it's all to say is that Anthony Comstock couldn't have picked a worse place for someone with his temperament than New York. And so when he started out on this quest, he had like a lot of material to sort through. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, so I actually looked up some examples of the types of things that would have been around back in the day. And honestly, I'm surprised Comstock didn't just die of shock. Um, So the one that I found that I think is the best is there's an example of a person who has cufflinks. And the cufflink had one of those visual puns. And there's like the image of a can, an eyeball, a screw, and the letter U. So it's oh, called, can I screw you? A rebus. It's called a rebus. They used to do, give these as puzzles to us back in the 70s. Like, what does this phrase say? And it was like these just these objects, and you had to figure out what it was. Yeah. It's called a rebus for people that are as old as I am. There is a subway campaign for Casper that, usu- that uses them. Have you see mm-hmm. that? Yeah, I have. Well, not since March, but yes, I saw them. <laughs> At one point in our past as New Yorkers, we the before, the before times. Yes. The before times. 
Um, yeah, so Anthony Comstock decides to go after cufflinks. <laughs> All right. And, I mean, so I can were... see some douchebag on Wall Street wearing those right now. Like, I can oh, totally God. see it. Right? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, okay, so, like... Well, I was going to say something very intelligent, and I forgot where I was in my notes. Yeah, so, like, as you are saying, Comstock starts busting people for this kind of low-level stuff. Running around New York trying to save its soul. Uh, yeah, like... He's literally, like, busting into these bookstores and newspaper stands and hauling people in front of the cops. And the police are just kind of, like, rolling their eyes at him and just being like, I don't know what you want me to do, buddy. This is, like, not a very high priority for us. Uh, You know, maybe, like, the mob (laughs) should Mm -hmm. take precedent during this time. (laughs) You know. Also, I don't know. I really don't think that a lot of – there was a lot of priority on the NYPD's docket at the time because a lot of people were getting paid off in other in various directions so yeah uh and i mean there were obscenity obscenity laws on the books but they were not very strongly enforced not to anthony's liking they just were just not up to par yeah he's just having a real hard time with it (laughs) i know you gotta go all upset um yeah, so he goes on this crusade, though, and he finds someone in the in the New York Police Department who believes in him. And also, like, the powers that be, like J.P. Morgan, was behind him this whole time and ended up, like, getting this huge horde of shit, right? And he has to, like, rent an office. Or a vault or something in Lower Manhattan to lock it all up. It was just like tons of what he describes as like porn, but it's like okay, it was an advertisement for a, a, a you know an abortion oh, remedy. Something. Yeah, or like it was an advertisement for a legal brothel. You know, like there's a lot of these things were very legal at the time. Abortion was legal at the time. Brothels were legal at the time. It was a very, what he might describe, a very cheeky time where this this sort of puritanical bullshit wasn't bleeding into American life because everybody else had deeper things to worry about, like survival. Mm-hmm. Ton of dildos. Dildos everywhere. Dildos everywhere. You know, women's carry them in a purse. Men's got them in their pockets. Dildos it's everywhere. Describing as I just imagined Anthony Comstock, a little dragon with his porn horde. Mhm. Mhm. Porn horde. That's a good band name. Porn horde. Um. So he uh, actually managed to link up with the YMCA, who had their office, I think, in the Upper East Side, and. The YMCA was scandalized because on their block was a, uh, like a brothel or something, or like a bookstore selling lewd material. And uh, the people who were involved in the YMCA at that point were kind of like hoity-toity, very wealthy, and they just kind of didn't want to get involved with all the smut. And so when Comstock reached out to them, they're like, oh, why, yes, we do need a man on the street. And they... Hire him to conduct these investigations 
for uh, $3,000 a year, which is a today, lot of money. Is $60,000. I wish I could have that job. I can, I mean, without the king shaming, of course, you know, and we have to support our sex workers. Uh, but man, $60,000 to like collect dirty magazines. <laughs> and so Comstock would like collect all this evidence and he would figure out, he'd like start out with the seller on the street and then he would like stake them out and figure out who the distributor was and the supplier and, you know. I mean, can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine this little toad of a man? Now, when okay, so when I first started researching this, I had, and I've known about these stories for a long time, but I had in my mind that he was like that weird poltergeist too, God it is a holy temple, t- super tall, lanky, white-haired guy, like creepy, whether, he's not that. He's short and fat. I know. He's a toad. He's a toad of a man. So imagine a toad of a man trotting through the streets, threatening people with his YMCA badge. He just he has like that like walrus mustache thing with the chops. Yep. Yeah, he looks like a derpy banker. He's a toad. Oh my god. Yeah. There is. I found this um comic from back in the day. And it's Anthony Comstock with this woman in front of a court, and he has her by, like, the scruff of her neck. And he says, Your Honor, this woman gave birth to a naked child. Pretty much. Anyway. Uh, where were we? Uh, okay, so he's running around the streets in his chubby waistcoat. Um we had just mm-hmm. talked about him at court um, and the cartoon with the women and the birth of the naked baby. Should we talk about the suffragist sisters that he arrested and had charged? Yes. And why don't you lead that? Because I got a little confused. There's just okay. too many people he was after. Okay. Victoria Woodhall and her sister, Tennessee Clayfin, uh, owned a little tiny um, newspaper... I guess called Woman Rebel. No, I'm sorry, that's Margaret Sanger's, which we will also get into. But they just they're publishing like this little newslet thing, and um, the it kind of came to Comstock's attention that uh, because they were they published details about a prominent minister's liaison with a married woman. And mailing it to their subscribers, which of course uses the post office. It was a um, my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts, Trashy Divorces, covers the trashy liaison of this particular minister. It's very, very good. Um, so he drags them into court in front of a federal grand jury, and they were acquitted. After the judge explained to Comstock that the law that they were brought on um, in, on charges for didn't actually mention newspapers. Nah. Right. So that's when, so they get, you know, all hoity and they're like, look, from Maine to California, we believe the new order of the Protestant Jesuits called the YMCA is dubbed with well-merited title of the American Inquisition. 
comparing it to the Spanish Inquisition. And that's what really got under Anthony's craw. He got real pissy about that. Um, and being shown up by two women, of course. Um, so he goes to, in 1873, he goes to Washington to plead for more federal stringent postal laws. And one of the big hootie hoos of the YMCA pays for his trip. And um, he goes on the train with a buttload of assorted offensive items. And he sets up a display case in Congress so they can all see his perverted. His collection. Yeah. Um, so Ulysses S. Grant is currently the president of the United States. This is 1873. So this is like 30 years after he started from birth, right? So he's 30 years old. Mm-hmm. You said 44 when he was born? Yeah, something like yeah. that. So he's 30. And he's going around and doing this. Uh what Grant am I had, doing with my life, Megan? Why am I, I not on the shoving people's faces? I feel very unaccomplished. <laughs> right. Uh, this is Grant's second term. And um, so he goes and sets up his um, box of goodies in Congress. Of course, we all know what Congress looks like back then. It's all very uptight white dudes and waistcoats and big chops. And um, he, uh, okay, so he pleaded with the members of the House and the Senate to pass the stronger obscenity laws that banned offensive newspapers and blah, 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 conception and, and, and their mention of con- contraception and abortion. Quote, all were very much excited and declared themselves ready to give me any law I might ask for if only if it would within the bounds of the Constitution, he wrote in his diary. Well, I was going to say he has a very flexible idea of what the Constitution says about free speech, but okay. Well, a lot of people do. A lot of people do. Um, so, yeah. So, he, yeah. So, ultimately, what ends up happening is um, he brings us in front of this guy named William Strong, who's a Supreme Court justice, he's he actually tried to get the word God into the Constitution of the United States, and he epically failed. Yep. Um, and he's so Comstock, and he hung around Washington to for the next legislative session, and um, he attended a White House gala i guess i don't know what you'd call it party where he met with president grant and gazed uh quote gazed disapprovingly at all the female guests oh my god they're all brazen dressed sillily with enameled faces and powdered hair with low dresses and hair most ridiculous and altogether most extremely disgusting to every lover of pure noble modest women Yep. What does he want women to wear? A potato sack? <laughs> I don't know, girl. This is the kid that. I mean, is he still a chronic masturbator? We don't know. <laughs> so, um, 
So he proposes this bill, clears the Senate and the House post office post office committees. Right. It's not just the regular House and Senate. It's all about the post office, which is why we're talking about this. Um, but the newspaper publishers come in and be like, yo. You know, we won't be able to report on crime. We won't be able to report. On, it's not even about the ads they're talking about. It's just like we can't report on crime and criminal justice based on these rules. Um, but it passed anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something I hadn't thought about is it's like you can't say like a naked homeless man runs through Central Park. You perv. That's pervy. Because you said naked. I know. Right. And then, uh, but, you know, actually, I think that the way that he he set up the Comstock laws is actually quite clever. Because, I mean, he definitely went after, like, the publishers. But he knew that, like, a lot of these laws have been unenforceable. So he really... He said, like, the thing that makes them, like, illegal in a way that you can enforce is, like, through shipping, right? Yeah, but he's the only one that decides what's obscene and what's not. So, there in lies the problem. Oh, no, 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 sure. But it's just, like, very, I found it very, like, strategic and sneaky for him to kind of get this, quote, problem sideways through the post office, you know? Uh Reminds me of the treasury in Al Capone. Yeah. Right. So, he definitely thought this through. Yeah, I think he did, and I think he made friends in powerful places to make it happen. Um, so, three days after the law passes, he placed his hand on the Bible, swore to uphold the country's postal laws. Received his inspector's badge and a train pass entitling him to travel anywhere in the nation for free by rail. He was a special agent of the post office. Uh-huh. Oh my God. But he enjoyed exclusive status because there were already 63 other agents. Yeah. So he, he didn't have to do any of the audits and he was free to focus on uh, his investigative works. And so, you know, he starts out by targeting people who, again, like we mentioned, abortions, fake medicines, fraudulent financial schemes, which leave the abortions alone. Fraudulent financial schemes. I'm down with that. That's all right. I'm down with fake medicines. That's all right. But that, in my mind, that doesn't strike me as obscene, right? It's not obscene. It's just fraud. So... And that, so that's how broad-reaching this postal law was. Uh, he, sh- he shut down so-called state lotteries that used the postal system. And um, within a year, he made 55 arrests. Um, oh, and he had a scar on his face from encountering a knife-wielding pornographer in Newark, New Jersey. I thought that was really funny. Isn't that hysterical? Apparently, this guy attacked his face and hit bone or something, and Comstock was never the same since. Um, I mean, you can't see it under those chops he wears, though. Yeah, I was to say that might explain the very um, bushy mustache. Yeah. 
So something like just going back to it's like Comstock's time in the union. Yeah, he's incredibly unpopular. And uh, also, like, the targets for a lot of his stuff really broke down amongst class lines, right? So during this time, you have, like, the Impressionists in France who are doing a lot of paintings of, like, naked women. Yeah. And um, so Comstock is not going to go after his buddy art collector. Uh, what he would target instead is, um, like, reprints of famous pieces of art. Yeah. Right? Art and, book art books yeah and um bars and these clubs and again you know like back in the day like the social spheres were very broken down by gender and it's like men had the men folk places and women embroidered in a room i don't know um and so (laughs) most of the things that men would do for fun during that time were things that Comstock was just incensed by, you know, drinking, gambling, hanging around photo pictures and statues of naked women. And he actually got in trouble for it. He tried to join the Masons and like other men's clubs and was like blackballed, right? Because just nobody wanted him. Of course not. Dare I say nobody'd want him today either? Like you're just you're just a, you're just ruining the party for everybody. Come on, Pooper. What the hell? Well, you know, he eventually just like ran out of shit to confiscate mm-hmm. with art books and ads and mech. So he then he uh, because he needed to get that. Uh, YMCA's underwrite every year of 10 G's. So he started going after like medical books and anatomical studies of the human body or science Mm -hmm. and the European import of science books. This would be a bad time to get sick in America. I tell you, none of your doctors have ever seen a body before. Yeah. Um, you know, he was eventually challenged by a lot of people in that people were happy to be arrested. Uh, doctors were happy to be arrested and taken to court, and he lost a lot of those fights. Um, they published um, a number of, there was one called Cupid's Yokes, where a guy named Haywood. Um, he assailed marriage and exalted sex in pseudoscientific terms. He he basically considered marriage legalized prostitution. So he was like a full-on feminist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he and Comstock went head-to-head. He eventually won in court after being, uh, you know, publicly dragged with handcuffs and you know the print was newspapers were all there the headlines and the head you know how that yellow journalism was a huge thing back then mm-hmm. um and then and then and then am i and forget forgive me if i'm getting ahead of myself um and jump in and then he focused on margaret sanger <laughs> uh those people who don't 
actually know who Margaret Sanger is. She is the woman who started Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. The she was the founder of Planned Parenthood. She believed, and now I know she's problematic. I know she's problematic. She was a racist and all kinds of other things down the road, but we wouldn't have Planned Parenthood today without her. So we're just going to address it that way. Uh, she is not great. But he focused in on her. She actually ended up having to leave the country for a while because of the Comstock's stance against abortion and women's rights and birth control and other things. Yeah. Yeah. And she's the one that published that uh, Woman Rebel monthly newsletter that I had mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She argued that the Constitution of the United States authorized Congress to establish post offices and roads it was not intended that the authority go beyond that. It did not authorize it to censor anything to be conveyed, nor to sit in judgment upon the moral or intellectual qualities of the printed matter or parcel entrusted it to be delivered. So basically, it's the post office is strictly utilitarian. You, you don't get to use it to judge anybody. It's in the Constitution of the United States. Yeah. Right. So, and she's right. Um, he, she was, she was basically the bane of his existence until he died. What's that? Huh? Oh, sorry. I think our Skype kind of fritzed a little. I was going to say, it's interesting that something is as noxious as the post office has been caught up in some of these scandals, like both today and back then. You know, like, I never think of, like, oh, USPS, pornography, you know? No. I mean, there's, like, I think back to, so I don't know if you're, no, are you familiar with the case of Robert Blake and uh, whether or not he killed his wife, Betty Bakley? No. Okay, well, whether or not he did is a matter of, you know, social discourse. I don't, I don't know if he did or not, but... She started out in the 60s, she started her own male porn business. She would advertise in these back pages and like Lonely Hearts Clubs or whatever and the, and get these guys, if you send me 100 bucks, I'll send you a duty of myself or whatever. And so they'd send her and she'd send the picture. And then she was like, if you send me $500 more, I'll send you another picture. And so they would send her. She was in the 70s. She was making like $300,000 a year. Yeah. Wow. And she was chronically arrested with now. Okay. Well, fair enough. She had like 18 different nom de plumes and other such items. But they knew they couldn't arrest her on male porn, so they got her on other things. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what brought this to mind, too. I guess it just goes to show that the post office um, is much more integrated into our, like, social norms. It can be easily politicized, and it shouldn't be. Yeah. 
It shouldn't be. People shouldn't be fucking around with the post office. It's in the Constitution of the United States. Like, leave it alone. It's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be making money. It's supposed to just like, like we've been bailing out the post office since it started. Like <laughs> that's just the federal government is supposed to pay for the post office. Yeah. Part of the deal. <clears throat> Hmm. What else you got? We want to talk about anything else on that? Uh, I have some like overviews of Comstock, which are quite impressive. Yes, please uh, tell me. Through his various campaigns, he destroyed 15 tons of books, 284,000 pounds of uh, plates for um, like printing, and nearly four million pictures. Uh, he claimed that, quote, books are feeders for brothels. Uh, he also claimed responsibility for 4,000 arrests. And he supposedly drove 15 people to suicide. Yeah. Uh, as, yeah, basically what he would do is he would, um, like, threaten to arrest you, mm-hmm. you know. And, it's like, right before he comes in with the comps, cops, a lot of these women would kill themselves uh, or men, or men. Men. Um, but one of the more famous ones I know about, at least, is Madame Rousseau, who was an abortionist. And yes. Tell us about that. I read a whole book on her. Oh yeah, she's pretty cool. So yeah. Madame Rousseau was this, I think, Irish immigrant woman who um, married like a pharmacist, I guess, and so she would like advertise in the black pages. Back pages, and she was known as like the most hated woman of New York. And uh, she by whom, really? By yeah, whom? Exactly. But she was just very confident, and she did her thing, and she just made a ton of money for herself. And a lot of people just thought she was like uppity, I guess. You know, like a nasty like a woman. These things, yeah. A nasty woman, if you if you must. And um. Anthony Comstock, like, really heavily targeted her. And actually, like, a lot of women really supported Madame Ristel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, um, like, a young woman had died shortly after an abortion. And so Anthony Comstock sat at his way in. And uh, he had, like, interviewed her so she knew that she was getting arrested. Uh, but then shortly before her trial, like, she, um, and I think just because she knew that, uh, you know, it's like she wouldn't have any reputation, she wouldn't have any money, and she really wouldn't even have any life, you know, like Comstock would persecute people, prosecute people yeah. as much as he possibly could. And it wasn't a time when you could go completely underground. Like, we, yeah. it, what, we weren't there yet. Yeah. So, um, and it's kind of interesting, though, because Anthony Comstock and Madame Rousseau are, like, beginnings of, like, the modern-day abortion debate. Because, as we were talking about earlier, before that, it was like, you lick this mold, and you would have an abortion. And it was just, you know, it was, like, quietly known um, but people didn't try to, like, legislate it one way or another. It was just, like, a thing that happened. Uh, whereas Comstock was like, no, this should be illegal. And Madame Ristel was, like, the first truly high-profile case of someone getting arrested for getting an abortion. Yeah. 
So based on based on obscenity, also I would like to add not right to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with the right to life. It was only based on um, the advertising and um, the idea that anything related to the female form was obscene. Yeah. And then just to um, really solidify how great of a guy Comstock is, in the 1890s, he started recording how many Jews, Catholics, and Irish he sent to prison. So... <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. This is this is the time where, you know, like I think about that and I think about like, okay, you know, you know, you're I know you're white and all and I know you're Puritan, but you do know that your whiteness comes from other white places like Ireland and Germany, like. You can say that I came here on, and I was all English, and I came out here on the, on the, on the Mayflower. My family did. I'm like, that's fine, but you do know that white roots go back much farther in England, and you're gonna have a, a deeper blend of, of Irish Catholicism and Anglo-Saxonism, and oh, maybe you might be part of the German horde. You never know. Like you just, you don't know. Like don't. Don't pretend that all white people are the same. And that's, and I would love to, I would love someone to get some Anthony Comstock DNA and be like, look, he's 2% Jewish on Ancestry.com. Right? Or 50%. just aren't logical. (laughs) It's not logical at all. None of it's logical. Nationality is logical. Race is not logical at all. I just don't understand Anthony Comstock. I mean, it sounds like he was just afraid of everybody. And he was actively trying to make many people's lives worse. Uh, yeah, he sucked. He, he, I, I don't know. Like, did he, I guess he hated women. I guess he hated anyone who wasn't him. Well, he, well, he liked... Um, I'm not even going to go there because that's Didn't just... Didn't he like anybody? I'm not sure. He liked himself. Yeah, I guess. He did. It sounds like there's some self-hatred, which the whole masturbation thing. Self-flagellation? Right. No, I think he, I think he eventually he liked himself. It was the power that made him like himself. Oh, give a little man a little power. Just think Paul Blart Mall Cop on a Segway. Think that because that's basically what it is. Little man, little power. Any last words? You gonna watch any of the RNC convention? No. Uh. Okay, so. Unless fully, you want me to watch it with. No, 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 no. I will take one for the team. It's fine. Um, I watched all four days diligently of the DNC. Mm-hmm. Because it's that's I can't help myself. My mom's like, you gonna watch it? I'm like, no. And then two hours later, she's like, you watching it? I'm like, yes. Because my mom and I are that way. So I tried to watch it. I got through about 15 minutes of it last night, and it was just like the gaslighting is so bad. Mitt Romney's niece, who is the most powerful Republican woman in the country, she runs the Republican 
She runs the GOP. Like, mm-hmm. like she is the chairman. Appointed by Donald Trump in 2017, she called herself a housewife. And she she basically was like, why is Ava Longoria hosting it? I'm a housewife, too. I was like, okay, girl. And then they had Matt Gates on there. The ga- I mean, like, the gaslighting in the first 15 minutes was so bad, I couldn't even take it. So I had to turn it off because I was shouting at the television. I was shouting at the television by myself, by myself and my poor neighbors, you know. So I'm going to look at the schedule and see if there's anything. Like, I really like to see Demon Sperm Doctor because she's scheduled to talk, but I don't know when she's going to talk. So I'm interested in that. Um, Uh. Uh, Orange Cheeto uh, is scheduled to talk every day, which oh apparently, yeah, which apparently is like that's gonna save his campaign. Um, right. We'll have to do an episode um, about. We'll, we'll we'll do a couple episodes on on Trump and the many crimes of the administration. Pretty oh, good. because so many people have been arrested. Since the last time we covered Donald Trump. Oh my God. It's a little silly. And I'm also, I and I would really like to do that because I'm also in the middle of reading volume five of the Russia report that came out last week. I'm in the middle of reading it. Yeah. It's light reading. So, yeah, I'm happy to cover that again. All right. Well, I think that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us on Crime Talk BK and we'll see you next week. Later days.